0: Hey everybody, and welcome to episode two hundred and seventy-five of Video Apocalypse. I am your host, the Gone and Unremembered Michael Raparez. Who else is here in the Tyler Wild Memorial Studio with me?
1: Long dead, trending gamer of the year Matthew Allen,
0: and special guest
2: interactive game comic TL Foster.
0: Some of you might be wondering, but where's Chris Antista? Please don't shut it off just yet. He's actually undergoing a lot of severe storms in Florida and can't Skype over to talk to us. So, I mean, that's that's one of the... Unforeseen pitfalls of moving to the other side of the country Away from all your friends who you
1: podcast with You have to deal with the rigors of technology I think it's something as a native Californian And mm-hmm. person who's lived here my whole life Like I've never actually considered weather for most things And no. then when I travel I go, oh shit yep. <laughs> Oh shit, there's rain here Yeah, I can't wear my rainbow flip-flops everywhere
2: <laughs> Yeah, Florida is a, it's a hellscape of just nonstop weather Mm. Could have just stopped at Florida
1: as a hellscape trap.
2: Could have just stopped. Uh, That's also a thing, yes. (laughs) But
0: we've got a a pretty good show queued up for you. This is an idea that Matt came up with. So you're going to be doing most of the driving on this episode.
1: Yeah, I think so, just because I was pulling sounds. And so this is an idea. It's similar to an idea uh, I did with Chris for a laser time episode where I was just thinking of things that... Were very common in video games that are no longer common, uh, and I think maybe what originally got me thinking about it was playing Sonic Mania, because Sonic Mania has a lot of callbacks and retro things that aren't really a thing in games anymore. Mm. A few which might actually appear on this list, but but some of them don't. So things like the concept of lives in a game was something that yeah. I was just so not used to, you know, because as you go through those levels, I'd say one of my uh, the things that my knocks against the game is sometimes is, is as it gets up there and with more, some of the more difficult levels, you can get most of the way through. And then if you go through all your lives, like you're losing a lot of progress. It's nothing like it used to be though, back in the day where you have to restart the game entirely, but, but you can lose, you know, a good chunk of time just because of this concept of lives. And so I started thinking of, well, that's weird. Yeah. I guess games don't really do lives or extra lives anymore. What are some other things that I guess we all just sort of grew up with in games that we no longer have. And so I, I kind of came up and compiled a list of those things. Okay. And I should say, some of these things we miss, certainly. Others, not so much. Mm-hmm. So, so that, just, that they don't necessarily need to be like things we have fond memories of. They're just things that we kind of got used to that now they're not around anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, they don't have to completely be 100% gone. Uh, I know when we did this episode on laser time, folks were saying, oh, well, you know, those are still around or I have one or two of those, but just, Do me a favor, trust the olds on this one. If I put it on the list, guys, they used to be, like, really prominent and a lot more common. And now, yes, you might, in this random indie game, find one or two or through, like, some collector's edition of a game, you might get this stuff. But I'm talking about stuff that, like, almost every game had or a huge percentage of games had that now are just practically non-existent. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, those are really my only two ground rules of this list. So, mean bean machine bosses go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I mean, talking about the the lives, that's an interesting thing. That like, well, we we sort of have games. I, I feel like most games now either offer infinite lives or they. It's basically just no lives, just to continue. Yeah. So you yeah. go straight to game over, and you you start over. So I, I don't know if lives were just viewed as like a, a time waste, or it's like, well, we're just putting an unnecessary obstacle in front of them if they're just going to
1: continue already. Yeah. I think I think lives, when they were part of games, were really tied to the fact that pretty much games weren't that long. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in the eight bit, sixteen bit days, they were also tied to quarters. <laughs> yes, there's that. Too. Yeah, that's what I'm about to say. It's this is, it's literally
2: a, a holdover of arcade and. Well, I'm not as old as you gentlemen are. Um, every chance the... he gets,
1: every fucking chance he gets, he reminds us. He uh, called us his the... laser time dads the other day. Oh God! I said, I, I was like, "Dad, I, mean... I think of myself
2: more as your cool older brother." <laughs> well, I mean, I think Dad is actually the same age as my stepdad, but that's beside the, the point. Um, <laughs> uh, wow. No, so, uh, but with it being like tied to arcades. What are arcades now? Like, there's not really that thing. So I think the continuous live thing is... I think it's just adequate at this at this at this yeah.
1: time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and you guys were right. It was tied to arcades, trying to get more quarters out of you. But then when it did come to consoles, it was the fact that if you were to play straight through these games, they're only a couple hours long, and so to get your money's worth, you know, lives are a way of, of basically saying, hey, you have to get good at this game, otherwise, we're going to make you completely reset your progress. So yeah, lives was was great. I, it I, it was a good example. I also thought of it when I was playing Super Mario Odyssey uh, last year because Odyssey the concept of lives and kind mm-hmm. of just sort of got rid of it. You know, it used to be the newer Mario games, you would get so many extra lives that lives didn't weren't really a thing. And at this point, I think all it does is it takes coins away, right? If you keep losing yes. your life after yeah, yeah, a point. Yeah. And so yeah. it's really not a real thing. It's, it's sort of like this fake thing. Like, oh, you have these lives and oh, you can keep going. It's just going to take a few coins here and there, mm-hmm. which I guess the end game, the meta of that game If you're high enough levels and you're trying to buy costumes for 10,000 coins, uh, losing a few coins here or there is is actually sort of a big deal. I'd like to see a DLC for that that's like, what happens when Mario dies and why he he loses
0: those coins? And I think he has to... Pay them to the ferryman in hell. Yes, and yeah. then uh, fight his way back in. And really, only a few seconds of subjective time
1: uh, in the real world have passed. <laughs> but knowing Mario, he's not—he's not putting those coins on his own corpse's eyes. Mm-hmm. It's on a Yoshi's corpse that he's, oh, yeah. he's floating across the river. <laughs> Stakes—he's selling out Yoshi uh, down the river, hollowing <laughs> out Yoshi, sleeping in him, using him as a canoe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, so some more examples, and this is one of those that's it's not completely dead. But again, trust us. So extreme sports games, particular things like the EA big titles. But then, um, surprisingly enough, I think it was two years ago, uh, Ubisoft announced Steep, and so Steep hmm. is sort of like the last extreme sports snowboarding type game yeah, around
3: at
2: this there point. Been a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know when you said EA, when you said EA big, I was thinking of like the Street games that are yes. completely gone, like. Like NBA Street, uh, I think there was there was an NFL Street and a FIFA Street as well. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah it's, so basically, arcade
1: yeah. sports things. Other than there was that small revival with the the NBA Jam clone. Uh, it was like NBA Playground or something that came out last year. Oh but, yeah. Um, right. But then, so speaking of sports, that's another one. How about the days of multiple games per sport? Mm. If you think of once EA yeah. locked in the the, con- the football contract for Madden. That put 2K out of, you know, they, they just stopped making football games. So really, other than the occasional, like, up-and-comer with with something that's not using the, the official license of a league, you pretty much have one game per sport. So for baseball, well,
2: you... other other than basketball. Like, basketball is... Still... Well,
1: I was going to say, though, basketball, you have the 2K game. But then EA with NBA Live, I'm sorry, but they haven't well, they continue to delay that one and then every time they do release them it's like every few years and then they have to completely reboot the franchise every few years because they don't get it right so effectively well, no, i feel yeah. like we have one basketball game with 2k
2: i mean live live 17 came out last year and then like 18 was this year and they've They've been actually good. Now it took them getting a 2K. Yeah, it took them getting somebody from 2K. But, yeah, no, they've been actually good games.
1: So that's unfair of me, yeah, because I hadn't played the live games because of all of the drama they'd had. But really, you know, once you get locked into something like the 2K basketball games, uh, yeah, in my mind, it had become the one. But, like, I was was about to say on baseball, uh, that's the show. Like, pretty much if you want pro baseball it's not only just one game but it's locked to one platform because it's it's only available on PlayStation 4 but back in the day you had multiple companies with official licenses making multiple sports games on multiple platforms so yeah pretty much the sports thing is sort of sort of you know you get one and that's it um so speaking of alternate platforms that's another trend that I was just having trouble finding a ton of examples but Remember the days where we would have alternate versions of the same game on yes, different platforms? Absolutely. So I think Ghostbusters is the one I think of most first because I worked on that Ghostbusters game. Mm-hmm. The Wii version yes. had a completely different art style, a slightly different story elements, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but was yeah just called the same thing. And so there was confusion when you go to the stores. Yeah. You would say, "Oh, I played." I played, well, I guess a classic example would be uh, some of the Disney games on Genesis versus SNES, right? Like, mm-hmm. which version of Aladdin did you play yeah, it was always the question. Which version of Beavis right. and Butthead? <laughs> yeah, um, right. right. And, or
0: and, and Shadowrun for me. Yeah, was Shadowrun. I think we did an episode about, like, games that were radically different on, like, there was always... For a while, there was, like, the 360 PS3 version and the Wii slash PS2 version. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happened with Ghostbusters, which had, like, a weird arcade level in the Wii version that wasn't in the original. Yeah. I think instead it, it replaced the architect's office. Yeah. And uh, you fought, like, video game enemies instead of, like, blowing up plans and things. Prince of Persia had that, or uh, Forgotten Sands. Mm-hmm. Like, the Wii mm-hmm. version was a
1: completely different Right, game. right. And so now, I mean... You can see why this no longer happens, and the reason being... Well, a couple different reasons. Number one, it's super expensive to develop multiple versions of the same game. Yes. Uh, Number two, just technically a lot has happened so that you can put the same game on multiple platforms and port it in a much easier way. So, um, you know, almost all the machines now are sort of like Mm Windows-based type machines, right? So it's easy to port from one to the other. And then technologies such as Unreal and Unity make going from one platform to the next fairly easy because that middleware stays the same. But, I mean, today's gamers will never know the uncertainty of, like...
0: Wait, so is the Genesis version better or the Super Nintendo right, version better? Right. Like, oh, no, the G- the Super Nintendo version is actually garbage. You yeah. need to get the Genesis version, even though it looks worse.
1: Yeah, oh, it'd be looks or, yeah, which one sounds better. Yeah. It would come down. Or, or in cases like Mortal Kombat, which one has blood and mm-hmm. which one doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, like, these games would all be, like, developed sometimes from the ground up by different porting houses. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. like, you never knew what you were going to get. Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes the... The secondary, it wasn't always the lead platform, but like the secondary version would be considered the superior version of the game mm-hmm. after enough time had passed. So yeah, that's th- those are great examples of things we're talking about when we talk about dead great gaming trends, which we will get to right after the break. You dead, dead, dead.
2: Thought you were
1: hot, guess what, you're not. You are
3: dead, dead,
1: dead. You brought your whole adventure to a screeching halt. You are dead, dead. Your heart has stopped and your
0: brain is cold. You were so soft, dead. And now your body is starting to mold. You were so soft, dead. Let's get scratching.
1: Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? then we
0: strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash it supports not only this show but all the rest of the laser time network you'll get commentaries play games with the hosts see exclusive videos first and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time speaking of which here's a quick taste
3: but there and then um somebody just randomly wanted to have a um cannibal movie feature a uh, double feature so they brought like all their oh, yeah. friends made like cupcakes with like body parts on uh-huh. them and like to Campbell the musical and Raw you know so it was they just felt like it I remember wasn't...
1: somebody for their birthday uh, showed the Blu-ray HD version of uh, Necromantic
3: yeah oh my and god invited god. all their friends what out what is Necromantic <laughs> <at all? laughs> oh my
1: god it's a German horror oh film god. where a chick fucks a corpse it's like the whole movie is about her fucking a corpse pretty much and there's a sequel right, too
0: but uh, yeah <laughs> hey come it rent it at Cap City Video Lounge. <laughs> we have both of oh them oh my god yeah. <laughs> But I just thought
3: it
1: was so great. You know, she brings Wherever all her friends. And they're like, "Oh, I don't know what this movie is." It and was. Then you, had a people, blast. you had people coming out during the movie just to catch their breath. They're like, "I don't know." Truly, like, I mean,
3: multiple people and just I mean, like, like my losing my friend, their but, minds oh, in there. Man,
1: I got to go outside and have a smoke break.
0: This movie's horrifying. Get bonus time—a weekly, uncensored, and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on patreoncom lasertime. And we're back to talk about
1: your top five of dead gaming trends. And the reason Michael says your top five is because yeah. I will well, be the you, one- Matt.
0: I'm looking at you. <laughs> it, it, I'm not talking <laughs> to the audience. It's not yours. You don't own it. <laughs> no, please stop do. trying to grab it. You can't. You can't reach <laughs> through the
1: speaker. Stop. You're segmenting the community again, Michael. <laughs> we need further segmentation. Uh, well, anyway, so let's just kick into our top five with. Number five. <laughs> Coming in I mean, with Guns N' Roses. Axl
0: Rose is going to come after us for that one. <laughs> oh, See, no. I was going to say, well, cars aren't dead, but yes, Guns N' Roses music is dead oh, in the context of games, ouch. So. Actually, what is Hey, this actually? Chinese
2: Deerocracy number two
1: is coming out. <laughs> Never. <laughs> well, I, I actually, I wanted you guys to try to guess what this was, because I, I used that clip for a very specific reason, but the entry is probably not what you think it is.
2: Hmm. So it's Burnout Paradise. That's the game, right? Mm-hmm. That, that was absolutely, yes, that was a trailer from Burnout Paradise.
1: Yeah. I mean, you you might think on First Pass, oh, uh, racing games or mm-hmm. arcade racing games, right. but that's not true, because we have games like Onrush now. Mm-hmm. The reason I put in this entry had a little something to do with this. Too busy playing video games to watch campaign ads on TV? I feel your pain. And the Obama campaign apparently does too. It seems for the first time ever, a major party presidential candidate is buying ad space Inside video games. Nine video games ranging from Madden 09 Football to the street racing game Burnout Paradise feature in-game advertisements for Obama. The ads appear on virtual billboards alongside the gaming action, and the ads remind players that early voting has begun. They give the URL for Obama's website. Obama's campaign started running these ads earlier this month on the Xbox Live versions of these games. The plan is to run them right through November 3rd. Now, if only there was a way to get ads to the elusive Hungry Hungry Hippos demographic. <laughs> oh, that oh. funny
2: joke
0: you
1: told there. Oh, you burned us, Maddow. You burned us. Yeah, Whatever
0: happened to Pac-Man?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, sorry to play such a long clip, but I wanted to get to the end where Rachel Maddow just betrayed how little she knows about video games mm-hmm. by, by throwing out a Hungry Hungry Hippos joke, yeah. which, by the way, bought the other day for my kids. Still holds up. Hungry Hungry Hippos is a good time. Nice.
0: I, I will say that I feel like in-game ads are kind of dead now I don't see that lasting. I don't understand what's preventing like say Epic from putting up ads in Fortnite assuming they haven't done that already.
1: So yeah, what I'm specifically referring to, it's not just in-game ads because this is one where folks are going to be like well I just played this game and it had a product placement. I'm talking about this particular tech that powered these Obama billboards appearing. It was dynamic in-game advertising and I know a little bit about this because one of my first jobs in the gaming industry that fell under one of the responses of our team is trying to work on deals like this where we put these in games like SWAT 4 was one that that had this tech. So um, this, this was a particular technology that was pretty much powered by, there were two heavy hitters. There was this company called Massive Inc., which, working at Vivendi, when we own Massive Entertainment, the developers of World in Conflict, that wasn't confusing from day to day to know which Massive I was mm. talking about. And the other player was a company called Double Fusion, and they basically had SDKs that developers had to put into their games that would mark certain parts of the game as ad space that the game could then, just like any web page, serve dynamic advertisements into, just ad banners, right? Um, and so it was a little bit different games for a while and I would say probably still continue to do this a little though not as much They've always done product placement, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing a Splinter Cell game, it might be the the cell phone he's using might be a, a branded cell phone at one point, right? Yeah. Or or if you're driving a car, I've got the latest Nokia. Yeah, if you if you're driving a car in a, in a James a Bond more. game, yeah. it might be it might be a certain model of car, you know. <laughs> um, but this these were particularly you know these ads that it was going to be the next big thing because and and the the selling points was that it was going to add a sense of realism to the games. You know, it's like mm-hmm. hey, you could go. And you could see these ads in the real world and then see them in the game. The other thing it lets you do is, you know, product placement's baked in. And so there's only certain things you can advertise for that have staying power. So you wouldn't be... You wouldn't advertise for a movie using product placement because that movie they're really only marketing it for one or two months and then they've moved on, you know. Mm-hmm. So it'd be silly if that's in the game a year after that. So, yeah. but through this tech, you could advertise, and actually, movie companies were some of the biggest purchasers of these. So at one point, this this was supposed to be the next big thing. Microsoft actually bought Massive in two thousand and six. Uh, And I would say this tech and kind of the, you know, when it was supposed to be the big thing was around 06, 07 is is really when it was at its peak. Um, So, yeah, I mentioned instead of, you know, building this product placement, these ads, you serve them dynamically. And then some of the notable examples were in Burnout Paradise. You saw Obama ads on the side of the road in billboards, Um, EA Sports titles. So Rachel Maddow listed them for us. You know, EA Sports titles had them on, on things. And then the other big one. Was Rainbow Six Vegas 2, which if you consider Las Vegas, it's full of ad space. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. yeah, it sort of makes sense. Rainbow Six Siege 2, though, I think one of the reasons this tech might have rubbed gamers the wrong way Mm -hmm. is it tried to get a little cute. So this was with Paramount, like I mentioned, Movie Studios. And so here's a quote from a release. Paramount and Ubisoft, they've teamed up to create a first-of-its-kind dynamic in-game ad promotion to promote the upcoming film, Tropic Thunder. Oh. Uh, the companies placed an interactive scavenger hunt in Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Vegas 2, uh, published by Ubisoft, which encourages gamers to actively interact with the dynamic in game ad campaign, taking action from the clues and get rewarded at the final stage of the hunt. So instead of just seeing the ads, they were asking gamers to go up and interact with the ads. And I think that's mm. probably a bridge too far for stand some up people. and yell McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons this tech sort of went extinct. Uh, so I mentioned Microsoft bought Massive in 2006, they shut them down in 2010. Uh, and I, I so here's the reasons I personally think maybe this this tech went away. Uh, number the, fir- the, the first probably the most important reason: a lot of these ads or these types of ads shifted to casual games mm-hmm. and to mobile games. So still to this right. day, there's a ton yeah. of mobile games where you load them up and they'll show you a, a video ad really quick, or they'll show you a banner. Yeah, or like yeah, a banner will pop up in the middle of your game at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so that and so that's important for two reasons. Number one, like the total reach of those mobile games and particularly free to play mobile games is huge compared to traditional core console games uh number two the market you know the people who play those types of games kids moms other people who don't typically play core video games uh, the other thing to note is like i said i think core gamers hated these every time they saw that they just knew there was like this uncanny valley of it was weird to see this photorealistic advertisement inside a polygonal game. Even if it was a realistic-looking polygonal game, it mm-hmm. still was like you, you knew right away. You're like, that's not that yeah. doesn't belong there. Well, I seem
0: to remember early on there being some like uh, people like getting technical about it, it's just like, wait, so you're going to use some of my bandwidth mm-hmm. for online play to pipe ads to me in yeah. this game that I already paid you full price for? Like, yeah, I can, I can see why they get
1: upset. Right, right. That'd be like, I think at one point, didn't Netflix experiment with, with some sort of advertising? And they, they, I think they realized quickly, if people are paying for subscriptions, they probably, probably don't want to see ads. I wish Hulu would realize that. <laughs> That's right. Hulu does that as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah I, my other... I do have a personal suspicion that because we only ever saw a few ads over and over and again it appeared they were having trouble selling their inventory right and so part of the promise was we're gonna get so many companies buying ads it'll be just like real life you'll see advertisements everywhere but if only one or two companies at a time is buying ad space hmm. it's not realistic to drive down the road and see 10 of the same billboard or right. to see that that <sighs> billboard and then go to, unless you know, it's like outrun (laughs) yes yes exactly so yeah or yeah you see a billboard that has one ad and then you go up to a you know a bus stop and it has the same ad that's not realistic Mm. and so you really do have to sell to a ton of people uh to make that worth your while which kind of relates to the next thing and this is again i have even though i kind of helped out with this i have no nothing but my own personal opinion to base this off of but i i don't think publishers maybe were making enough money off of this to make it worth their while cuz as i mentioned it was an sdk that they've had to put into their game to tell it okay go look for these ads uh so that that costs money to integrate um and if they were not selling through a ton of inventory and publishers weren't necessarily getting a ton of ad revenue well then they're not going to bother to put this in so that's my sneaking suspicion uh and then the other you know the bigger thing is a lot of this purpose of these is served in advert adver games or product placement uh, to the point where EA basically just said, yeah, we're going off. We're just going to go do it ourselves. And they, they they still do in their sports titles. They sell all their product placements themselves. They built mm-hmm. they, they built that up over the years and they've got it down to a science. So they didn't really need this technology. So those are my reasons. Yeah. Did you guys ever come across these ads in the wild?
2: No, but when you're talking about this, I've been playing a lot of WWE 2K18 and they do the thing where they have, like, they have, like, the KFC at Like, they have KFC models. Like, they don't, it's not, I haven't, I haven't seen the interactive ones, but I've seen it where, like, these sports games, like you said, the sports games where they, they talk about, it. like, I. it's fun playing these games. And it's like, oh, Snickers, you know, be hungry. It's like, what? Yeah, well, I, that's
1: actually, so that's really getting in the weeds, but... There are some deals that if you use a certain license or a certain league, they have deals cut in already Mm -hmm. that you sort of have to include in games because of that, right? So if the NFL has a certain deal with, like, let's say Nike or something like that, um, from my understanding is you have to put that deal also in your video game. It, like, comes along with the game. And so that makes it even more difficult to sell ads in a game, right? Because it's like, well... You're technically not allowed to show these types of ads because of exclusivity. There's all kinds of things when you have advertising that it gets really messy really quickly.
0: I'm thinking of like Alan Wake had those uh, DLCs where like I think one was sponsored by Duracell and the other was by Verizon. So like the Verizon (laughs) one, you actually had this character like coming into this other dimension to save you. And he was saying like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Oh, (laughs) my God.
1: But the Duracell one I remember because, yeah, that was a big part of Alan Wake was your flashlight battery. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. But th- so that it's like was, oh man, my my battery can't work. If only I could find two C batteries. Yes, yes and they would last logs.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think these companies the they were doing the dynamic stuff. That was always the the golden goose for them. That they were trying to figure out a way to serve. You know, uh, can you imagine like serving actual three D objects instead of just these flat banners, right? Mm-hmm. Which introduces all sorts of problems because it's like well, if a character is holding a thing, you have to figure out a way for that geometry to match up. If you're driving a car well if the cars at a certain height you can't just throw a different car in there you know because mm-hmm. that looks silly so that stuff that's why you know traditional product placement is a lot easier to do because you bake it in there and and you work with the devs but even that i feel like has kind of waned in recent years i don't i don't feel like we see as much of it no. as we used to i mean we see like sponsored
0: events in the crew too for yeah. example but right. uh, yeah nothing nothing quite on the level of Dynamic billboards
1: Yeah and, and and I think Part of that reason though Is a lot of those Have become advert games Or they, they, yeah. they've they just gone to mobile Or other more casual platforms Yeah
0: Well I, th- I think From an advertiser's perspective I would think like Is this really The most effectual way Of putting in here Like how do we guarantee That players see it Yeah uh, You know How do we guarantee They focus on it And it just doesn't Fade into the background
1: like, yeah. yeah Well that, that's the other side Of the equation um, And again Getting really into The weeds of advertisement But uh, video games might sell, you know, a few million copies, right? If you're lucky. Uh, and so even if you are hitting people with a lot of ads, you know, it's not nearly at the scale where you can just go do an ad buy for, you know, on, on the internet and, and hit just as many or, or like, you know, 4X, 5X, the same number of people, the, the number of people In a much easier way. And so, yeah, I think that's one of those things where this particular type of technology, at least on core games, we're talking, you know, PC, AAA, console, may not be something that could come back. Although, Michael, yeah, you know, as I get older, I get a bit more cynical about things. I I could see it happening. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, product placement for now is here. And that bridges nicely with our next number four, an industry that knows its way around product placement very well with...
0: Number four. Wow <laughs>
1: that, Fuck
2: game. And that sound was the sound of uh, of the death rattle of the games industry <laughs> ah, It's 1985 yeah, it
1: speaking, of, speaking of things coming back <laughs> So that was, well, it sounds like you guys know what that was very well. Yes, that was E.T., the extra testicle. (laughs) Yes, and and, um, so can you guess, based on me playing that, what this uh, entry is, actually? Uh, Game markets crashing? Uh, uh,
0: Slapdash licensed games That are made six weeks before release Yes,
1: uh, specifically yes AAA tie-in games Ah, That are are tied to big movie releases Uh, And E.T. being the most Probably the most infamous example Because of what you two just stated In that it was a game that It was the perfect example of Why these games Did have trouble being good uh, In the fact that Video game development uh, even back in the Atari days, it was it was fairly long. It's not as long as it was now, but typical games nowadays at least two to three years of dev cycles. Whereas the average movie, other once you get past pre production, it's it's less than a year cycle, right? And mm-hmm. so you had trouble matching these production cycles together. You know, um, it was also it was a great example of. It is tough to nail down a schedule, whereas games, they have to kind of work a long time in advance and say, okay, we're coming out of this specific date. But if anything moves in a movie movie release, it's much easier to move that than it is to move a game release, mm-hmm. right? So that's it's another example of like, yeah, that makes it tough. But yeah, specifically we're talking about these are big games. They're tied to movie releases. They're either based on the plot of the movie or they somehow expand on it. Um, And there are some good things that they could get out of it. So the good is you do theoretically save on some asset work because if they're creating stuff for the movie, you don't necessarily need to create certain artwork or other Mm -hmm. things for that game. Uh, The other is, and I think the bigger thing here is, you can piggyback both on the IP and the marketing that the movie studio is doing for that big movie. Basically, it's, hey, they're marketing the hell out of this thing. They're spending tens of millions of dollars to promote it. Just by being a game in the stores at that time, people see us and they will purchase our game. So you, you don't have to necessarily market something from scratch. And because it's known IP, people, you know, they just say, oh, I recognize that. I'm going to go buy this. Typically, it's moms buying it for, you know, their, their kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the bad, like I said, I think the bad far outweighed the good in that they almost always resulted in rushed development. Uh, They almost had impossible timelines. The approvals with the studios was rough. There's a lot of back and forth. Uh, Licensing fees is a big deal. So a lot of the time, just to get the license to a game, you're either forking over a ton of money up front or you're paying a huge percentage of it on the back end or some combination of both. Mm -hmm. So it's tough to make money on those games. Uh, And then the other is just the risk of the movie flopping, You know, which in the case of E.T., the movie did great. Uh, But the game... mm, I don't know. Let's just say this sound haunted my dreams as a kid.
0: It's the Baby Jessica
1: game. <laughs> oh no! Wow! Don't do that. <laughs> yes, that was E.T. falling too down soon? the that well, was, like, like thirty years yeah. ago, and they saved her. So I guess it's yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so,
2: hey, you know what? We're sending our love down the well to uh, <laughs> E.T. Yeah. I, Yeah. You know, I always sort of like that. The the little beat
1: that it kind of makes there as you're walking. Mm-hmm. It always did sound, sound like the syncopated yeah. beat to me. But.
0: And I, I think, like, revisiting E.T., like, somebody actually managed to piece together a walkthrough. And, like, if you play it with that and you have a better understanding of how this world's rules work and, like, why you fall down pits in certain places and not others and what the fuck you're supposed to do. Yeah. Like, it's it's slightly enjoyable. I'd put it almost on the level of playing adventure without any sort of guide. But it's, it's just not great. At the same time, like, more recent examples, like, games like that can age terribly. Mm. Like, if you look at uh, Lord of the Rings Two Towers for... PlayStation at, at the two. time praised. It was at, really At the time game. amazing. It was like this bold cinematic achievement. They worked with like Peter Jackson and, yeah. and that crew, the studio, and it was just like beautiful cinematic rendering of everything and then you go back and you play it today and it's like what are these chunky ass graphics with these sad low-res scanned actor faces just plastered onto them stumbling around that's
1: a good example because that was ea Mm -hmm. and ea themselves uh back they've basically admitted a few years ago that uh that license business was falling apart uh and so now ea Pretty much just has the Star Wars license, but they don't they don't tie it with the movies. You don't get like a yeah. Last Jedi game. God forbid we get a fucking Last Jedi game. Can you imagine the backlash <laughs> from that? But they they will basically have like games in the Star Wars universe that are meant to contribute to the overall canon, but they stay away from the main movies. They, they might throw some DLC having to do with the most recent movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually that that example you listed is also a great example of another reason why. It was a tough business, and so having worked for Vivendi, Vivendi owned the license to Lord of the Rings, the book series, from the Tolkien right. family, whereas EA didn't come in, and they just got the movie license. So mm. I remember that time, there, and this was before I worked there, there, Vivendi had a Lord of the Rings game. It had nothing to do with the movie. But if mm-hmm. you were just the casual mom strolling through Walmart and you want to pick up the latest and greatest game tied to this movie for your kid— it was there was a lot of confusion. You could mistakenly buy these things that had nothing to do with the movie, and imagine the disappointment when you bring that home and you don't see Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, you see just this generic, you know, game character. And there was
0: no EA Fellowship of the Ring game. It was just it began with two it towers, which kind of covered both. Yeah, and there might have been some licensing conflict there. Mm-hmm. I do remember getting a call when I was a newspaper editor slash critic that i got a call from this guy from vivendi who was saying like yeah we're going back to the original texts like just we're, we're it's not based on the movies it's drawn from the original texts oh, so it's like it's not scripture it's a novel series <laughs> that was written in the 30s
1: <laughs> to some it is scripture uh, yeah i know but i mean those you those you mentioned those ea games those are great examples i think of if, when it can go right Right, mm-hmm. uh, but probably the most notable example because I was trying to think of, a- and Chris always talks about this in an age of superhero movies and Marvel in specific uh, being as huge as it was for the past ten years. The fact that post the Iron Man game, I can't think mm. of a big triple A standalone game that's tied to those movies.
2: No. Uh, in well, well, there's X Men Origins Wolverine.
1: X Men Origins Wolverine mm-hmm. was in there. Yeah, yeah, but. I don't know if that came after the Iron Man game or yeah, not. Yeah, there,
2: there was. I think they
0: did two Iron Man games. Right? And this is Sega that did. I mean, those, there, was, yeah. okay, there was the first Iron Man game. There was the, the Hulk game, which was.
1: Vivendi had the Hulk game as well. Then yeah, there was, which, uh, yeah. It,
0: the Sega's Hulk game kind of felt like an echo of the yeah, Hulk game. Yeah, and then actually uh, that
1: tech was used to build prototype. Oh, the yes, running up that's the buildings right, and all right. that yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then um I think Iron Man 3 was mobile only. Yeah. So they, yeah. There've been
1: mobile tie-ins. What I was trying to get at is there there haven't been any um well I will I will when we talk about why these things no longer exist, I, people might point out there have been some just not what you'd think. But there is one gold standard movie tie-in game that I always go back to is I think probably the best and let's hear about that from this person. All right. I think as a consumer of video games, the first and foremost thing I look for is the quality of game. It's not just about the springboard of the movie title you have or whatever, it's really about the quality of the game. And I think that everybody who's put their work into these games has done an excellent job and has really made it stand out among uh, those titles.
0: He acts through the whole game like that. <laughs> yeah, but I was just about to say, he
1: sounds exhausted. And who would that uh-huh. he be, Michael? <laughs> that would be Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Which you can tell, they cut this behind-the-scenes piece probably after he'd done all his voice work for the games mm-hmm. because he, he just sounds a little bit hoarse, super exhausted. But here he's talking about how good the Spider-Man game is, and actually he's talking about, for this, Spider-Man 3, but I'm specifically referring to Spider-Man 2, is what I would say might be the gold standard.
0: Spider-Man 2 is an amazing game, in spite of his awful, (laughs) just exhausted voice acting. I remember saying, like, it's like he literally phoned it in, but, like... Hey, I'm your friendly neighborhood, Spider Man.
1: <laughs> it makes me wonder, though, just like him talking there, like, is that just how he always is? And like, maybe he you know, like, was like getting the best out of him, like, no, that's like, just his normal speaking energy. voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did play poker for a while, right? So he's kind of got that yeah. constant poker face going. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was Tobey Maguire talking about the making of a Spider Man game. And Spider Man, I think, was one of the rare times that. Everything just lined up perfectly, and it's considered, to this day, it's still considered one of the best Spider-Man games. And, Absolutely. And probably, again, in this category, these AAA movie tie-in games, it's the one I would hold up and say this is probably the best. And it's it's just a great example of, I really wish we were getting more of this throughout this Marvel past 10 years with these movies, mm-hmm. you know? Um but we're not. And, I mean, to the fact that there was actually a publisher that started up just to specialize in movie games back in 2007 by the name of Brash Entertainment.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they were only around for a year. Their, their whole mission statement was... to How make brash me- of
0: them? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> they were yeah. making games based on Hollywood properties. And, yeah, they, they shut down in 08. You know, I, they didn't get... I think they got, like, one game out the door or something. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's... The thing's tied to rarely ever worked in fact though there are some examples it's weird i was trying to think of like okay what are some other examples of really good licensed games and those almost always came later it's it's weird when you don't put people on a schedule and tie Mm -hmm. them to these things that you can actually create a good game uh and one of the first examples that popped into my head goes a little something like this So that was yeah, obviously that was way later. <laughs> that was Rockstar's The Warriors game, which came out something like 20 years or m- over 20 years. More than 20 years. <laughs> After the movie came out. Um, so that was regarded as like, hey, this is actually a really fun. And, and actually, I think Chris has talked about that movie is just a video game. If you think mm-hmm. about it, it's, it's you know, colorful characters trying to get across a city. It's a, basically a beat up just on yep. the screen absolutely know? so it made perfect sense to be a video game but i was thinking of more examples so think of games like GoldenEye, games mm-hmm. like uh chronicles yeah. of riddick butcher bay butcher bay that came out like a few years after you know yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so GoldenEye was i think two years after the movie came out that's so that, true that was probably one of those cases they were trying to time it with the movie and then you said well just give it the time it needs to get out the mm-hmm. door um so yeah it's almost all of the good examples i could think of came several years, or the Ghostbusters game we were talking about. Yeah. That came several years past Which as, as close to a Ghostbusters 3 as we're probably going to get. Well, it's, it's Dan Aykroyd himself has called yeah. it Ghostbusters 3. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, the days of tying in with things and coming out at the same time, pretty much over. And reasons why, um, well, the biggest one I can think of, again, mobile games. Yeah. So most movies that now come out with games, they're mobile games. And I think the reason there is... Mobile development is actually a lot quicker, uh, so the turnarounds are quicker. The, the cost of development is a lot lower than your typical AAA game, mm-hmm. so they don't have to worry about that. So it's just lower risk all, all around. Um, another kind of reason I was thinking is, while single-player games aren't dead... I'd say it's very rare you're going to find a game that ships with just a single player mode mm-hmm. and it's really tough other than GoldenEye I can't think of many games that said okay we're going to focus on multiplayer for a movie game it was almost always you're playing through the movie and you're living the fantasy with yourself yeah um, but another reason is different types of games sort of stepped in we mentioned mobile uh, in the most recent Incredibles 2 did have a game but it's, it? a, it's a Lego game Oh. So, game, like, the Lego series actually took over for this, and so they had a lot of those Lego Star Wars games. Mm-hmm. They did the Lego prequel Star Wars games. They had Lego Indiana Jones, Lego Harry Potter, after EA kind of said, okay, we're not doing the Harry Potter dedicated games anymore. So, Lego games stood in. Toys for Life games kind of came, so things like Lego Dimensions started to take over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's just different, totally different types yeah. of games catering to a more casual, younger market. I mean,
0: yeah, you still definitely see that, like, I guess there was just a Hotel Transylvania 3 game that's mm. basically just Pikmin made in Unity, somebody yeah. said. Yeah. and But when you said Incredibles, I thought you were going to talk about, there was an Incredibles sequel game that came out shortly after the movie called, like, Incredibles Rise of the Underminer. Oh,
2: are you serious? Yeah. Right.
1: Which, obviously, they completely uh, abandoned because the new movie starts with the Underminer, so. Yeah.
0: But then he just kind of disappears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, um, I was thinking of the inverse, where there was a movie that was so bad it ruined the franchise but had a really good game and that was the mummy the new mummy remake oh, oh, oh yeah, really. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah
0: uh, what was the game called it, it, was, it was the mummy
1: decoded de- i believe de- de- i thought it was demastered, or demastered something. yeah that. something like that. yeah it's this
0: really really good metroidvania where russell crowe talks to you as dr jekyll but the, the cool hook is that, like, so you're going through and you're getting different gear and weapons. If you die, the conceit is like, well, that was a different agent. Uh. That you then need to go and retrieve your stuff from their body. The only problem is uh, when you die, uh, you're brought back as a zombie. Oh, so okay. you have to go kill yourself with all your cool gear and weapons with nothing but starter weaponry. Uh, okay. So that gets really tough.
1: Gotcha. So, yeah. yeah, that but that wasn't like a big triple A like three D game. Wasn't it like a side side scroller? Yeah, yeah. So even then it's like cheaper to make. Right. Mm-hmm. And and was available which systems was that on though? That
2: was uh,
0: uh it was I think all the major, one ones, uh, the major ones.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was on PS4, mm-hmm. uh Xbox One. So I've been playing when, it on uh, Switch.
1: When you do see them, yeah, they're typically like they're not what we're referring to which is like the big spider-man type games they're usually like kind of less expensive genres or yeah they are tied with these kids games so I, we we talk about well the marvel movies didn't have any games technically they sort of did for a year or two with disney infinity like that's mm. the way they got the superhero stuff in yeah. video games I, I was thinking like what was the organization you're
0: work you're an agent of in the mummy Demastered, It's called prodigium it's just like what is it's uh, there's a lot of it what what I don't know. I never, I'm sure there's some explanation in the movie that right now someone who saw it and enjoyed it is getting ready to lambast me over. But I, uh, I can dig it, Michael. Yeah. Can you dig it?
1: I can dig it.
0: That guy sued Rockstar, by the way. <laughs> no,
1: no. Well, he was in the, that was from the trailer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, okay. he saw that yeah. even without buying the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, AAA movie tie-in games are number four, which leads us, of course, to our... Number three. Wow.
0: I know exactly what this is. Trav, do you want to guess?
1: Um, is that Ninja Gaiden? It is Ninja Gaiden. Nice, Trav. So here's a little bit more. This might help you out. that sounds more like right. what i would play around with these what it would sound mm-hmm. like
2: so at what point did you unlock supersonic to be unlocked in level one. Oh, i don't which know. is a thing you could do with sound test sound ah! test yes there it is <laughs> so, yes
1: sound test with and the reason i put that is this was michael's personal favorite uh because why with ninja gaiden 2 when you access the sound test
0: there were like several levels of it and like the the first level of it, you got just, like, a scared-looking, like, chibi Ryu up at the top of the screen, the the ninja, and then the, the deluxe version had uh, Ryu and Irene Liu, his love interest, and she was, like, pointing a gun, and she would shoot the gun when you would play certain
1: sounds. Ah, okay. And the reason I put sound tests on here is, yeah, sound tests were something, I feel like they were just sort of an artifact of the 16-bit era for some reason, like, mm-hmm. they kind of... I'm sure there were a few in the NES days, but I remember them coming in with SNES days, and I remember them sort of going out with those SNES days. Like, there were maybe a few in the PS1 the PS era, and there are a few games that do include them now almost as, like, bonus. And so I mentioned one of my inspirations for this entire top five was Sonic Mania. Mm -hmm. And Sonic Mania has an unlockable debug and sound test mode, so if you aren't tired of hearing this from playing the game you get to hear specifically that last one i hear a lot in sonic games (laughs) that's me getting hit uh and all my rings getting lost but yeah no so basically it was just sort of like a menu where you could go and usually you could hear the entire entire songs from the game which was great because sometimes songs would get interrupted as you beat levels or during cutscenes, and so sound tests were built Kind of the only way for a while to completely hear full songs, mm-hmm. and you could also isolate out some with some of these all of the sounds from the game, and I'm talking all of the sounds, you know. And so a lot, a lot of the time, browsing through them sounded like that Ninja Gaiden clip we played, where you would just get like little snippets and pieces of things as you're browsing through, but you hear every. Ugh! And yep, yep. every noise from every character in the game. Uh, and you, it did make you realize, like, wow, voice actors do a lot of takes, a lot mm-hmm. of variations that goes into these games. But, yeah, they were, they were sort of a thing of the 16-bit era. I mentioned, so Ninja Gaiden, Sonic. Um, one game series that has had them since the beginning and still has them is a favorite of yours, Trav. And can you think what that would be? I cannot. Oh, I mentioned Sonic. Does Sonic give you another hint? If I said that you could hear Sonic sounds in the Smash Bros games. Oh,
2: yes. Yes, as a as a Smash expert, I should know this. Smashbert, we we I already established <laughs> what your, your Smash title Smash. is, your Smashbert. Uh
1: so yeah, the Smash Bros games uh, have always had a sound test mode since the beginning, and I think a lot of it just has to do with that is a fan service ass fan service game. And so if you're going to have a yeah. game that's all about fan service, you absolutely need to put a sound test mode in there you want to hear when uh all of your random like the announcer when he says Mm -hmm. these things or you want to hear when snake says something
2: you
0: You,
1: want to hear the many different ways in which link says hop hop or (laughs) that's right
2: exactly like i said uh yeah i've just the isolated vocals of xander mobis basically saying different words is always hilarious and something that i actively look out for so yes i should have Guess that right away. Yeah, I wow.
1: I mean, another retro game that I know is a favorite of yours. Michael brought it back as well, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a it's a Ubisoft game, but it's, uh, it's a few years old at this point.
0: A retro game,
1: retro from game, Ubisoft. yeah. Huh. Scott Pilgrim. Oh yeah, Scott Pilgrim of course had, had a, a sound, sound test. test. Yeah, oh, okay. it did. It's huh. pretty cool looking sound test too. It has yeah. a little graphic that goes along with it. Um, but so let's let's come up though. What are our theories why sound tests
2: went away? Um. Uh, because people like myself who don't go digging into games which is weird because there's like a whole community of just ripping game files but mm. Mm. yeah I, I just think that the the average consumer doesn't really dig through the game settings as they used to. I
1: think I think the latter part of what you said is is one of my reasons which is with the uh, with the internet pretty much now once you can get and record a sound file it is instantly everywhere yes and so for legal reasons there are probably reasons publishers wouldn't want to make it super easy for you to be able to do so and sound test modes are a very easy way to completely rip all of the sounds all of the character sounds which they may or may not have licensing agreements on and all of the music which leads to my next reason i think they might be extinct is the video game soundtrack market actually was flourishing for quite some time and you could sell those things that you were giving away for free. So why put them in a game for free? Yeah, good point. <laughs> uh, and then kind of the last is, games are expensive to make. Yes. And so why add something in there that only a tiny fraction of your audience is going to engage with? Why spend the time to put in this mode? Uh, plus, uh, the kind of the final reason is it's related to debug modes as well is the tech has improved so that they don't actually on consoles need to put these like little menus for programmers to test things. They can Mm kind of all do that on PC now and so I think sound test modes were sort of an artifact of when they had to debug things on the console directly so when they changed the way they develop games they removed them. But that's Mm. just, these are all just my guesses. Yeah. They're all pretty
0: solid guesses I
1: think. Do you have any other particularly fond memories of sound test modes or any
0: I mean, that Ninja Gaiden one was a big one. Yeah. Uh, I played around with that, and that's, I think, the only one I remember spending a lot of time playing around with. Partly because, like, it's fun to listen to the music, and it's also fun just to make, like, the Irene Chibi look like she's shooting with different noises. Yeah, that was the
1: coolest part, is the Irene Chibi, for sure. Well, and if you guys at home want to make your own uh, VGA uh, soundboard, go right ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael and I will be hanging out after the show, and we're just going to be saying random sayings. <laughs> uh, we'll make fart noises into the mic. It'll be great. Uh, yeah. uh, Don't overprop Who? impossible. <laughs> <laughs> uh. that's, actually, that's, that's, at a higher, that's at a higher Patreon tier if you yeah. want us to <laughs> open the, the VGA sound test mode. Um, all right. Maybe that's not going to happen, but you know what will happen?
3: Number two.
1: water levels uh no but that is a great guess it uh, sounds like it should be wow, in water so level.
2: okay i know i know what this is i know what this is about and the water levels thing isn't a bad guess so that's star tropics music mm-hmm. and we're talking about instruction manuals bingo oh, wow. star had a very important instruction manual that you would dip into water there it is, confirmed. Illuminati confirmed. That's there, right. That's, that's right. So, <laughs>
1: yes, the reason I put the Star Tropics as the, the number two entry was instruction manuals. And in Star Tropics, the manual in that game was actually a letter from your uncle Steve, esteemed actor Steve Buscemi. Uh, yes. <laughs> and the letter, it only took up the top half of the letter. He basically explained to you, like, hey, I went off to this island, blah, blah, blah. About midway through the game, or I think, I don't know, pretty far into the game, my. I, I don't know where was it, Trav.
2: It's about two thirds into the game. Okay. I think you're on like, like you're really deep into the island.
1: You you encounter someone that gives you a hint that says if you dip the letter from your uncle into water, it will reveal this his coordinates or his frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't say what letter. And in a game with inventory systems, a lot of people just thought, oh yeah, it, it must be like a letter I picked up along my way it was actually referring to the letter that was shipped with the instruction manual. And sure enough, when you dipped it into water, it revealed the entire second half of the message which where he says, hey, I think some people are following me. Uh, here's the codes to my frequency. And I think this, the frequency was like 747 or something. Which, oh, wow. the only way to see that code uh, if you were emulating the game was to know that by going on the internet and finding <laughs> it.
2: Um, although I will say... Or th- borrowing the game from Blockbuster. Well, that
1: no, no, that that's true. But I, I mean and people playing later Although the Wii version, yeah. the virtual console version of the game Had a cool little thing where it showed you the letter mm-hmm. And then there was a little icon for a bucket of water And if you clicked it It mm-hmm. made the rest of the letter mm-hmm. appear mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. could actually mm-hmm. see the secret code But yes, instruction manuals um, These are a thing I grew up you know, I'd go to Toys R Us and if I was getting rewarded for good grades or something I'd get a game and I was so excited on the way home I would, I would open the box and I would read the instruction mm-hmm, manual mm-hmm, and I remember same. reading things like the Legend of Zelda instruction manual which was full of pictures and stories and this is something that people don't games don't have these anymore they just, they stopped being produced uh, I was looking uh, on kind of trying to look up okay uh, what, at what point did they stop getting made and I noticed a huge drop off. I was, uh, it was pretty much between the Xbox 360 and PS3 days, and this generation, you yeah. can't find any. Like, I feel like the drop off was earlier, like after
0: the PS2 generation. It started... Yeah.
1: Yeah, oh, well, yeah, it, it started definitely started. I, yeah, I was looking at the numbers uh, from sites where it's like, hey, we have, you know, backup doc- uh, manuals you can download. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, PS2 generation was, like, in the thousands, and then last generation was, like, only a few hundred, and then this this generation, there were zero entries yeah. for PlayStation 4. And I think there was one for Xbox One, but it was one of those Toys to Life games, which would have just been how to build this thing an in instruction manual, so uh, a little yeah, bit yeah. different, so...
2: This is the one thing I get genuine nostalgia for. Like, I used to love... Getting them because it was just it was to me it was extra books right and so my mom was a video gamer and she would write out detailed notes in the memo field so when I was younger like she'd play Legend, Legend of Gaia like Illusion of Gaia excuse me mm-hmm. and she'd have all these detailed notes and I would look through those and it was such a, it was it's something to me like I I feel. Really weird that we don't have it, but we haven't had it for two generations because it used to just be one of the things that I looked forward to looking through and leafing through. Yeah,
1: yeah. Actually, um, the notes section is great. Yeah, that was something that uh, I want to talk about in a second. But uh, one of the things about instruction manuals, I think a lot's been lost there, is. That used to be a developer's and publisher's chance to tell a little bit more backstory about a game or fill in the gaps on characters, Mm -hmm. and they often contained art that wasn't, like, official marketing art, and a lot of the time backstory that may or may not have been official backstory.
0: Yeah, do you remember, like, Konami would always have those weird, like, sort of blob art portraits of their characters. Yes. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The
1: Mario manuals in particular ones I remember for the art because you would get some great, that would be like official Nintendo artwork. Although you would see a few things you're like, Wait, what? Like, it's sort of like off brand, slightly off-brand Mario. Hmm. Uh, but I also bring up the Super Mario Bros. booklet is sort of infamous, and in, it's hard to find the original. Because in the original, it mentions the Koopa tribe was turned into the Mushroom Kingdom's residence into bricks, stones, and what they called field horsehair plants. Probably the fire flower power-ups is, is, is oh, the yeah, guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. Field horsehair, um, sure. And this would mean that Mario, when he is jumping and shattering bricks, He's actually shattering bricks that are full of human souls, and he grabs coins and ingests people to throw fireballs. That's all just human souls that he's yep, churning out yep. there. Uh, so, yeah, those in- implications are a little bit wrong, and so that's why they've since retconned and completely removed that from any, any instruction little, manuals. A little
0: bit disturbing, but since we're talking about this, I'm reminded of, like, when I was in grade school and, like, would – Get graph paper and start to like draw out my own ideas for video games. Like, yeah. a lot of what I drew was just like, this is like a manual for a, for a mm. game that doesn't mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just kind of go through and like draw characters and like give them like, well, this ga- characters in games have like weird, vaguely Japanese sounding names, so I should give them names like Little Marta and <laughs> stuff like that. It's just like.
1: <laughs> you know, actually, one game that was going to be my next example of a game with a great uh, instruction manual sort of sounds exactly what you're talking about and that yeah. game was
0: sounds familiar
1: that that was the menu music uh, i go ahead tra
2: that's earth that's earthbound that, that is that's earthbound. mother oh, yeah. 2 that's earthbound oh, that's and, bound, and yes. the
1: reason i put earthbound on here earthbound not only shipped with an instruction manual, it shipped with a giant an entire strategy guide. Like oh, right, pretty much yeah. what you would think of like a pre strategy guide came with the game. And that's one of the reasons it came in such a huge box. If mm-hmm. you remember the box for that game. Right. It was this it was it was more than instruction manual. It was backstory. It was here's all the moves. Here's how and it gave you strategies on how to defeat certain enemies, you know, because at the time, I think that was kind of a big RPG with a lot to kind of get up to speed on, and so they wanted to provide that, and they, they put it on the box, they advertised for it, like, includes full game guide. And that
0: yeah. It also came I think with even Scratch and Sniff okay. cards, right?
1: It did come with Scratch and yeah. Sniff cards, yeah, that were in the back of that guide, which... Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of YouTube videos I was watching of people reacting to the snatch- <laughs> scratch and sniff card, so I wouldn't want to do that after over 20 years. But hey, knock yourself out. Today's
0: teens react to scratch and sniff. <laughs> the paper smells. <laughs> oh, God. Um,
1: but yeah.
2: Uh, but no, Starman.net. They did something very similar with um, with Mother 3 or Fan Gamer. Excuse me, Fan Gamer. Yeah, they they did a uh, whole they custom actually...
1: booklet for Mother 3 that mm-hmm. they they basically riffed off of the original. Mother 2 or Earthbound uh game guide. Yes. yes. I was mentioning the Legend of Zelda That you always had epic guides, right? It was it was full of pictures, Mm -hmm. full of full of story. And I think I was telling you about this. I bought the Explorers Edition of Breath of the Wild, and I highly recommend it for anyone who hasn't bought the game yet because that brought me back to childhood. It came with the game, and then a full they called it a mini guide. And Mm -hmm. so, but it was like a full instruction booklet. It contained unique art, contained little tips and tricks, and a little bit in maps and everything that we would have known and loved in instruction manuals. And it it was the same price as the regular retail game, so there's no reason not to. If you haven't bought Breath of the Wild, pick up the Explorers Edition. It will bring you back to those days of getting a full instruction manual with your game. Nice. Yeah, so enough, there's a couple other games. Some games are actually known more for their manuals than the game. Um, you guys remember a game called Skull Jagger on yeah. SNES? <laughs> I
0: thought it was pronounced Skool Jaeger. Uh, probably
1: School Jaeger, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's School with the umlaut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, School Jaeger uh, came with an 80-page art book and tie-in comic that many th- regard as superior in quality to the game itself because mm. the game was just kind of like yeah
0: it also had like a 900 number where you could call and hear a pre-recorded message from skulljagger or Skulljager. oh and, god and they'd talk sexy to you and ask what you were wearing
1: <laughs> is <laughs> I it mean, I'm pirate assuming. gear matey i don't know <laughs> um and so yeah instruction manuals though sort of went away other than i'd say their last bastion was pc games and specifically mmos for anyone who played vanilla wow the manual that shipped with WoW was over 100 pages uh, because there's just so many systems. So games like Guild Wars, WoW, you, there's a lot to keep track of. Um, and so they would come with these big books. But I think that's also primarily one of the reasons that we don't see these anymore. Uh, we talk about reasons they don't exist. And the biggest here would be cost.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: when you're printing a 100-page yeah. thing, or even if you're printing like a 5-10-page to 10 page manual, even though it's a few pennies... If you spread that few pennies across millions of copies of something, that is a significant chunk of cost to publishers. And they said, well, it's a cost we can save. Uh, what A lot of games started doing last generation, and now they well, – I think it was mo- might have been this generation. It's when they made the, the jewel cases see-through plastic. Mm-hmm. A lot of instruction manuals, quote unquote, now are just printed on the inside of the art flap on the game. So if you open up your jewel case to the game and, and you know, take out your disc and look through there, you might see some very basic rudimentary instructions. But yeah. other than that, nothing comes with the game. Reason: The other reason is we have the Internet. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that job of educating people on how to play the game, you can just go look on that the game's website. Go look online. There's, there's tons of guides or... The games themselves contain yeah. tutorials now. Like, tutorials are pretty standard. Like, yeah. I, if I
0: play a game without one, I notice, like, what the fuck is this?
1: Well, this generation... How even... do I
0: know how to walk right and <laughs> fire? Like
1: Well, now now Microsoft, for this generation, you'll remember, they put in that help system, which was this whole app just that was supposed to... I think every game was required to have their instruction manual mm-hmm. be part of this help app that you could pull up back when the, the tab thing was... Not the tab, what they call it, the... Um, where you could pull up an app on the side of your game while you're playing. Oh, the snap. The snap. You Maybe, could snap yeah. the instruction manual oh, as wow. you are playing the game. So yeah, that I think a lot of those just gave us alternatives. And now, you know, a lot of game marketing, a lot of the websites, they're doing the heavy lifting there of telling you the backstory, giving you info about the characters. And so you don't need the manuals. Although for me... It would still be nice to have. Like, yeah. I loved it. But yeah, those there's a lot of things added up. And then really, though, it's the cost. You know, <laughs> Publishers <laughs> just say, well, we have other things now that we can do to give them this info. Let's cut that cost. And yeah. sure enough, I mean, hey, folks, we probably won't have physical media for much longer. So the instruction manual was definitely going to be a part of
2: that. But we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, if you're like me, just be a giant weeb and they'll sell a collector's edition for $500 more than you should have paid for it. But it'll come with a cool art book and a and a faux uh, uh, instruction manual. I was trying to think of what was the name of the company that used to do like the really in-depth instruction manuals for for the Saturn. That wasn't Treasure, was it?
0: Um, I'm not sure. So you said it was for Saturn. I mean, it could have been. I've...
2: Yes, like like they were, like they were not well, it couldn't be Treasure because it's like RPGs, but they would have like the very oh working designs. Like, Working designs. Yeah, there we they go. would
0: always like
1: do these really lavish uh, localization things. Yeah, yeah. See, so that's, that's like that's that's the that's... kind of fan service that you love. And if you're going to get, I'd, I'd say you're right, Trav. Like if you're going to get a collector's edition or a specialized version of a game, or uh, I think instruction manuals are probably a big draw to those um, the retro reprint games where they'll like you know special services will do limited runs of mm-hmm. games that are actually on like plastic cartridges. Yeah. So the instruction manual is, is a big draw there.
0: And working to thinking about working design still makes me think about like uh, one moment that I regretted when I was in like a software etc back in the late '90s, and after the Saturn had tanked, and they'd released Magic Knight Ray Earth, and it's like, oh man, I don't know if I want to spend sixty bucks on that. And it's like now that game's <laughs> worth like a thousand. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
1: Ah, you never worry about the investments you didn't make. Yeah, eh, really. I guess. Um, but you, Trav, you were talking about note sections, and so note sections. Yeah, every instruction manual always had one or two extra pages that they would just leave blank for notes. Now, I didn't know anyone who actually used them. I
0: would sometimes write down passwords in them. Ah. Remember passwords, Interestingly kids? Interestingly
1: enough, that was I was going to segue to our... Number one. You guys know what that was? That's Contra. That is Contra. And the oh. reason I'm putting Contra for number one is the number one dead gaming trend we don't really see anymore cheat codes mm. cheat codes are sort of a thing of the past you know for the most part and the reason i put contra why would i put contra for cheat codes
0: because of the konami code they that gave you 30 30 mans that's
1: right and how about 30 men. 30, 30 <laughs> men's and, and this code is so well known how about we have diva from overwatch tell us what that code was up up down down
3: left right left right b a start
1: Thank you, D.Va. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I was able to have that file, by the way, is that's actually an Easter egg on the official Overwatch game site. If you type in up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B.A., start, oh, wow. She it, the screen will rain little tiny uh, images of D.Va, and she will say that to nice. you. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, so uh, <laughs> I confirmed that last night. I did that, uh, and now I have that clip. But, yeah, that is the Konami code is one of the best examples of cheat codes and it's something everyone knows um and of course in contra it granted you 30 lives so that as you made your way typically i, w- I would spend probably all 30 and there's just this first level sounding mm. like this dead yep yep dead I've died Dead. 10 times just hearing that <laughs> yeah. music. Yeah. So but yeah, and but it worked in other games too. I think its origins was actually in uh, Gradius, right? So mm-hmm. there was a programmer yes. I um, was going to
2: say Art type, but that was wrong.
1: Yeah, it was Ka- Kazuhisa <laughs> Hashimoto. He was developing the home port of uh, Gradius in 85 and the game was too difficult to get through for testing, so he created a cheat. To give him all the power-ups for the game. Stuff that you would normally collect over the course of the game. And, of course, that cheat was up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. Right. Uh, and then it since appeared in several Konami games, sometimes with slight variations. So sometimes you would throw the select button in there if mm-hmm. you had two players, like for Contra. Oh, okay. But it was in TMNT. Uh, Metal Gear h- had a version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh and actually, if you do it in some Metal Gears, Snake will call you out for cheating. He'll be like, hey, what are you trying to do? Yeah. Uh, Ca- Castlevania had used it. DDR. And just a bunch more. It, it was so big, even, that non-Konami games, some non-Konami games would use the code. Mm-hmm. It was that prevalent. Um, in fact, it was so prevalent, it is since I mentioned... Overwatch references it with Diva because she's supposed to be a gamer character. but it since has worked itself out of video games and into other forms of pop culture, including as heard here. Up up down <laughs> Stop. Oh the code is the sweet lifeblood of the game. It is the lifeblood of the game. That was from Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, nice. That is a scene yes. where he's accessing a vault. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know, maybe for legal reasons, he wasn't allowed to say the entire code out mm-hmm. loud. You kind of heard him going, eh, yeah, eh, probably, eh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's on an NES control pad as he's entering oh, wow. that in. Uh, I think we were talking about Siri earlier. And Siri, actually, if you say that code to her, she will call you a cheater.
0: Oh.
3: Uh,
1: and then actually that she's not the only home assistant to get in on the game. Uh, this is what Amazon's Alexa has to say. Super Alexa mode activated. Starting reactors online. Enabling advanced systems online. Raising dongers. Error. Dongers missing. Aborting.
2: I don't, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I mean, that's something you could tell well, that me. That means is that Jeff Bezos is going to kill us. Ah, <laughs> that's, that's what that yeah. it's means.
1: It's okay. Luckily, Google's here to do mm-hmm. no evil or do no harm. Whatever their slogan that they dropped was, uh, mm-hmm. because Google Home had their own version. Oh yeah. You destroyed the vile red falcon and saved the universe. Consider yourself a hero. <laughs> 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 I just like a little horn that's at the end.
0: Cute. Yeah, I, I really missed that, that. That code didn't work in Contra Three. So in order to get extra mans you had to there was a trick where uh there's this enemy that drops like infinite enemies down Mm -hmm, at you mm -hmm. until you blow it up but if you just like stand in a corner and shoot the machine gun to the right and just like hold the button down like eventually you will kill enough guys to earn 99 lives
1: yeah that's sort of a variation of cheat codes that like uh super mario bros had that remember the turtle turtle toppling yeah the turtle toppling where you could just get infinite lives where Mm -hmm. i think you had to stop though because it would actually kill you after you got too many right
0: I'm not sure. I I was never able to pull it off. Uh, I yeah, always it was, hear about it, it but I could never get it to work.
1: But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Konami code is a classic example of cheat codes were a thing that a lot of games had and they just aren't really around anymore. Some other kind of famous examples. Uh, if I said IDDQD to you, mm-hmm. what would I be referring to? Uh, it would be Doom. That's, yeah, that's a good pull, Michael. But that specifically is God mode mm-hmm. in Doom. And the origin of that is it's apparently it stands for IDs. Delta Quit Delta which was their way of saying we all dropped out of school to work for this company Uh, I think they did just fine after making Doom Uh, the other famous Doom code was IDKFA yep which depending on who you ask either stands for Keys Firearms Armor Kick Fucking Ass Killer Fucking Ammo Keys Full Ammo whatever it basically just gave you all the good stuff I always thought of it as Kill Fucking All yeah and then there was one that I'm not going to try to pronounce it was Id Spispopti which was their no clipping code ah yeah uh but it, that's the the way it's it's a really weird name for that but it's basically uh it's as if it stood for smashing pumpkins into small piles of putrid debris. Uh um, wow. yeah. That's
0: so, a good mnemonic device for remembering that, I guess. But, but
1: other famous games with codes, we talked about Mortal Kombat earlier, so the Genesis version mm-hmm. had the blood code. Yeah. Which was the ABA, CAB, ABACAB abacab mm-hmm. uh, NB. Oh sorry. ABACAB Abica- two Bs there at the end. Uh, which yeah, you could see blood. Uh, the Justin Bailey code from Metroid, which lets you play as uh, Samus without her helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then NBA Jam, of course, had like things like Big Head Mode. But that was one where if you like held certain buttons while pressing Start, it, it would do that. It would give you gigantic heads in the mm-hmm. game. Uh, and then some games. I guess the most recent examples I could think of were like in the GTA games, like San Andreas, where if you type in certain codes or words, it would get you stuff like. A ton of money, or yeah. it would drop a tank in the world. And PC
0: games still have, tend to have tons of cheat codes that you can access with the
1: console. Well, that's that's. Uh, I was going to transition into like why these aren't around anymore. I think PC is a great example. Most games, as they're developed on PC, are still developed with this uh, the console commands, mm-hmm. like, which is there are you still do need debug modes to like warp around the game and check stuff out. It's just yeah a lot of games don't bother taking those out after the game ships. They might take out certain things, but not others. Um, But yeah, I think that's one of the reasons. So, but now most console development can be kind of done more on PCs. They don't need to to leave the cheat codes into consoles when they're testing things. They can test it all on the PC. Mm -hmm. And so the console versions, they kind of keep clean and they they don't have to have those. My other big explanation, I think, for why we don't have them um, paid DLC why yeah. Why give people codes to let them do stuff for free where you can actually charge? Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot... There's a couple offenders that are kind of notorious for this. Like, hey, we're going to charge you to have unlimited weapons or unlock all the weapons in a game or ammo and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I just think it, it kind of came with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this also sort of relates to the sound mode. I think it's one of those things where why develop a part of a game because game dev is so expensive that only a few people are going to find out about Mm. you know nowadays it's just well we're only going to develop things that everyone who buys the game will see and so cheat codes are one of those things that they're really more meant for a few like the most hardcore of core fans Mm.
0: yeah and then you've also got achievements which every every so often you do see a game that has cheat codes and when you uh, turn them on, it'll often say, like, oh, we're turning off these
1: achievements Yeah, so you turn that's this true. on. That's true. Also, you're going to wreck your save. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, too, is, again, kind of blame the internet. Once the internet came out, it wasn't necessarily as cool to learn about codes anymore, you mm-hmm. know, because anyone could get access to that information whereas back in the day it was hey my friend knows this thing or you yeah. might see it in a magazine or sometimes I think magazines would even get so, hey we're going to give you an exclusive cheat that you can run this, episode, this issue and so yeah that sort of market for the need for cheat codes went away mm-hmm.
0: I'm just remembering uh, at one point doing a, a very underhanded thing as a teenager where I like was desperate to get my envelope art featured in EGM so like in order to have something to send them I like just Printed out some codes from the internet that from, from AOL that I had found. It was like, <laughs> maybe they haven't seen yeah. these and just like take off all the attributing inter- information, stuff it in an envelope that had the art oh. and send it to them.
1: Mail fraud, my yeah. mail fraud. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's like well they say like, stop sending us codes from the internet. We've seen them and they're all fake, and then it's like, but this isn't from the internet, it's from America Online. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <gosh.
1: laughs> Well, that's been <laughs> our top five. Did anyone have anything else they want to say about cheat codes before we go?
2: No, I, I just – so I – actually, cheat codes is how I actually started reading the words of Dan Amrick, uh, uh when I was The Gospel much of Emmerich, if you will. Mm-hmm. The Gospel of Amrick, when I was much younger. Is that, probably is, like is in, that when he
1: was Dan Electro? At GamePro,
2: that is was when he was Dan Electro. Yeah. yeah, so my me and my cousins used to play Mortal Kombat two, and I remember like the first time I saw GamePro, with my cousin was like, "Hey, we're gonna use this to use all these to learn all these cheat codes, so we could do, you know, I forgot was it, was it called Combat Mode or the what was the cheat? It was like a actually it was like a cheat thing. It had like it had like Combat something K, uh, but it was all in GamePro, and I remember reading it, and then. Never not reading Game Pro until like it shuddered. So it was, it was like going through those codes was how I started reading Game Pro hmm. and got like introduced to Dan Amric and Andy Eddy and that whole cast of characters. Nice,
0: wow, nice. I technically got my first real job in the game industry because of cheat codes. Because of, of
2: your uh, AOL scheme.
0: Well, exactly, yes. I was uh, carried on a litter to EGM headquarters, and I said, "Here's have a job and a billion dollars. Now, they, uh, actually, it's because GamesRadar, the US version, was founded because uh, Future, the publisher, had bought out Cheap Planet, ah, which yes, was this other thriving site, and uh, they immediately nuked the forums that had built this community yeah. and... Like, you know, said, come over to the Games Radar forums instead. And people were like, no, this just doesn't have the same functionality. Where's our folding group? Mm. Um, And, and yeah, it was... uh... But you know, from out of that came my career in the games industry. <laughs> out so. of the ashes of codes yeah. <laughs> arose the phoenix that is Michael. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I'm glad that they they spent so much money on on Cheat Planet before the concept of cheats eroded and went away. Yes, it's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, now we just
1: have like Game Facts is really only there for like walkthroughs. It yeah. used to have yeah, more exactly. codes.
0: Yeah. Walkthrough written in like 1997. Like, yeah. Oh, it's like yeah. you're communicating with me through the veil
1: of time. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, that's been our top five. Um, how about this? So, we were obviously on. We were out on vacation mm-hmm. uh, last week, and so we didn't have a chance to gather uh, responses to last week's question of the week. But I will throw out a new question of the week. So, oh, question. You want to th- hit them with two questions? Sure. Why not? All right. Uh, this week's question of the week. Let's go with. What is your favorite cheat code of all time from any game, any system? That's a wide net to cast. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Uh, favorite cheat code. Uh, I mean, the Konami
1: one seems too easy, doesn't it? It's too facile. Like Yeah, like everyone uses it. It's yeah. the only one I can it's remember. It's the only one I memorized. Um,
0: I mean, being able to finally figure out how to continue in Super Mario Brothers was pretty cool. Hold down A and, and hit start
1: on game over. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't remember that to this day. (laughs) Oh wow! (laughs) I mean, I think I, I, yeah, I think I learned it at one point and went, Mm. "God damn it!" I was probably just so pissed that I never knew it.
0: I also uh, am kind of proud of having remembered the uh, the password to the final level of Adventure of Lolo. So, if anyone wants to pick that up and skip ahead straight to the end, it's GCVT. Oh
2: god. Um. Do glitches count as cheat codes?
1: Um.
2: There's a specific way to do this glitch. It is it's a well-known glitch. I'm just asking: does it count as a cheat? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I'll say yeah.
2: Okay, uh, I'm going to say getting unlimited items in Pokemon Red and Blue, which involves you going to talk to the bug, the, talk to a a bug catcher in Viridian City, and then surfing on Cinnabar and finding Missing No. And then whatever item you have in your sixth slot will have unlimited items to it. Oh, nice!
1: I think mine would have to be uh, the original Legend of Zelda, when you would type in Zelda as your name and immediately uh, get access to the this the second walkthrough or the second quest, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was kind of a way to skip ahead, if you will, even though. It was always confusing to me as a kid because his name's not Zelda, his name's Link. So yeah. why, would you, why wouldn't you, why would you type in Link instead of Zelda for your playthrough? But yeah, so that one where you typed it in and you got to mm. skip ahead to kind of like, yeah, Master Quest mode. I always thought that was kind of cool.
0: Actually, I thought of a better one. Okay. Castlevania Three. Put in your name as Help Me. So help space me, and you get like 30 lives, I think. Ah, okay. Or 10 uh. lives. I, I'm going to look it up, actually, what it did.
1: I did like when Konami started punishing people for using the Konami code during their games. Like I mentioned, like Snake would call you out for being a cheater. There were a few games like that where I think in might have been in Gradius. Eventually, it just blew your ship up when you tried to use it. It's like, nope, you're not gonna get through this way. So yeah, it's, it starts you with ten lives. Help me. But ah, okay, it's very there you useful. Go. Very very useful. Yeah, it does what it says. Does what it does. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's this week's question of the week. Uh, you can answer the question of the week under the comments for episode number 275 mm-hmm. at vigigameapocalypse.com or by replying to us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or by posting a comment on the official Laser Time Facebook group. I will post the question of the week there as an announcement and go ahead and answer.
2: Uh, yep. Let's
1: go out with some plugs.
2: Uh, Sure, so if you like what I'd say, I do a podcast called PNB, it's over on Cast. you also check it at PNB at patreon.com slash Uh, we try to do a cool show, and we do a lot of different shows, and I'm doing a sports show, an anime show, and also an actual play show, so there we go, and Arsenal RPGs, which I've had both of these gentlemen on my RPG show, Grind That's Forever. That's true, yeah,
1: had a it good was time. a lot of fun. We talked about
2: Monster Hunter World. And Sui we Coden. We did. Me and Michael yeah. talked about, yeah, Sui Coden in Final Fantasy VI. Nice.
1: Nice. Um, Michael? Well, I mean,
2: this is
0: usually the part okay. where we start talking about uh, our own Patreon thing.
1: Sure.
0: So, uh, yeah... Give us money, you <laughs> bastards. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, Patreon.com slash uh, where you can sign up for a bunch of extras. We're currently heading toward a goal on Patreon that will enable us to start doing monthly spoiler casts. And we are also working on putting together a Dungeons & Dragons or possibly other tabletop RPG show. We, we're still in talks about it. But, uh, yeah, sign up for there. There's a bunch of benefits to being part of that community. Yeah.
1: And so, yes. Speaking of the Patreon, if you don't want us to become long dead gaming trends, uh, please give us your support at patreoncom Uh, If you just want to follow me personally, I'm on Twitter at Maddie C. Allen. That's Maddie with the Y. All thoughts there, usually pretty bad. Always my own.
0: As always, you can follow the show on Twitter at VGApocalypse or me personally at Wikiparas. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. just thinking about stuff like uh Oh damn it.
1: Hang on a second.
0: Get away from the window.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Esteemed actor Steve Buscemi. Yep. Making Contributing.